Welcome to the On the Anvil podcast, a place to tell simple and streamlined stories about life at the Anvil Academy. As we continue to tell Anvil's origin story, we introduce John Ott. John's engagement with Anvil is among the earliest of all, and in today's episode, we'll remember a dinner conversation that started it all. So join us as we remember and we tell stories of John's leadership, his direction, his friendship, all of which helped bring this school to life. Thanks for joining us on The Anvil. Welcome back to the On The Anvil podcast. It is great to be together. And today, as you heard in the introduction, I am extremely excited about our guest. Today we have John Ott with us. Uh, and you're going to hear a lot about John's story, his involvement with Anvil. Uh, but our hope is just that you get to know the special man that John is. So first off, John, uh, how are you this morning and where are you calling him from? Hi, Andy. Thanks, man. I'm I'm fired up to be here. Um, when, boy, well, there's a lot to get into, man. There's a lot to get into <laughs> from our story together. Uh, but when you invited me to be a part of the podcast, I've I've been looking forward to it since you reached out about that. Um, I am calling in today from Cumming, Georgia. I'm about 25 minutes north of the Anvil campus and, um, yeah, calling in from my home office. Well, we're, we're thrilled that you're here. You've been to campus quite a bit, uh, as board member, as dad, and we'll get into all that, but, but just full disclosure, uh, to the listening audience, John was, was one of the very first friends. Uh, John and Shannon were some of the very first friends that, that we made when we came down to Atlanta from New Jersey. You've heard some of that story in earlier episodes, but um, we wanted to kind of start at the beginning and uh, help you get to know a little of how Anvil began, and John was central to all of that. But before we jump into that, um, John, would you just share a little about yourself, how you found yourself in Atlanta, a little bit of the, the, the origin yeah. story for the Ott family? Sure, man. Absolutely. So uh, I grew up in the Roswell Alfred area. My folks moved to Atlanta in the late seventies and uh, we grew up at like Holcomb Bridge in old Alabama for anybody who's in the Atlanta area. Um, the closest grocery store was like 10 miles away at that point. And like that's, that, that was the outer edge of mm. Atlanta. And I guess one way of thinking about it is I've been staying on the outer edge of Atlanta most of my life, it seems, because now we live in North Forsyth County. At any rate, uh, I went to a private school in middle school and high school at Greater Atlanta Christian School out in Norcross, and um, then went to Lipscomb University in Nashville, which is where I met my wife. And um, we got married right out of school and moved around a bit and then landed back in Atlanta in uh, 2006. And for the most part, have been here ever since. So was it was it family that brought you back to Atlanta or, or what made you say this is where we want to settle back? Yeah, good question. Uh, in fact, when my family had actually moved away from Atlanta and they were living in Steamboat Springs, Colorado at the time, and we were in Texas, in Amarillo, Texas, which is where our oldest was born. And I was working for a church and was doing small group ministry um, and uh, through a pretty random string of events, got connected with North Point Community Church here in Alpharetta. And uh, they invited me to come join their staff team. And so I was so excited. And we moved back to Atlanta in November of 2006. And uh, so that's what brought us back to town. Mm. And then and you, 
because we'd had the first grandchild in our family, uh, my mom and dad, it, he, Josh was like a magnet for his grandparents and they <laughs> ended up moving back to Atlanta uh, for a period of time as well. Mm. Well, it's been great to get to know your folks, um, Shannon's folks as well. But um, so you were in church world, you were in ministry. Was, was that the yeah. vision and that, that why you went to Lipscomb and, and was that the plan all along? No, not at all. Um, not at all. In fact, I remember sitting down as a freshman being like, I got to pick something to major in. What do I really like? What am I interested in? And um, the first thing on my list was snow skiing, literally. And <laughs> Lipscomb does not offer anything related to snow skiing. Uh, and one of the other things was like, I love contemplating the things of God. Like I love thinking about big things. And wouldn't it be cool if there was something I could study here that was related to that? And then it dawned on me like, yeah, you could be a Bible major. And so I was like, okay, I'll be a Bible major, but I'm not going to go work for a church. Um, <laughs> and that didn't work out so well because I started interning at a church and for pretty much the next 15 years of my life, uh, I worked in a variety of different churches. Um, mm. So yeah, that, that wasn't the plan. Uh, but one of the things that's kind of cool to see in the rear view that I think the Lord has helped me to, to discern is that there have really been three questions, three key questions that have driven me uh, from a curiosity standpoint, I would say from a vocational standpoint. And those three questions are, how do people grow? How do amazing teams function? And how does communication work? Mm. Those three big questions have really been at the core of all the work that I've done, even including uh, what I'm doing now. Um, those are the things I'm really drawn to. So they found their manifestation in the church environment for uh, quite a time. Um, so I would say following those questions in retrospect probably was the plan. Um, but I'm really grateful for the experiences that I've had. Yeah. So, so we'll fast forward really quickly. So what are you doing now? Uh, how is that all kind of synthesized in your work right now? Yeah. So uh, a large part of the work that I was doing probably the last seven or eight years that I was working in, in different churches was related to leader development. And, it, and of course, in those contexts, it was primarily volunteer leader development. Um, and I really found that that's where a lot of my heart lived from a, um, from a vocation standpoint. And I transitioned out of the local church context and for the last seven years have been working full-time with leaders primarily in uh, in businesses i do a lot of work with ceos and business owners and presidents and senior leaders um, really at the intersection of those two questions about mm. how do people grow and how do amazing teams work so it's what we call integral development and organizational leadership uh, so it shows up with, I do a lot of coaching one-on-one. -on -one. I also do a lot of work with leadership teams and primarily working with leaders who find themselves on the threshold of something they've never encountered before. Uh, people who are brave and courageous, willing to look under the hood and take an honest look at themselves and people who are looking for something more mm -hmm. in their life. And, um, and I absolutely love it. It, one way of saying it is that me and the others on my team, um, it, it's, it's, the, it's the slow discipleship that you talk about. Yeah. You know, it isn't always overtly Christian in my context, but uh, we walk with leaders on the long journey towards thriving. Mm. And so um, that's a real privilege. It's a great joy.
That should be your uh, your tagline. We walk with leaders on the long journey towards thriving. Have you have you trademarked that? Because I might do that while we're talking, just to. Uh... <laughs> okay, yeah, and then you, I'll license it from you. Okay, um, good. Yeah, I, we, we've been we've been exp we've been playing with that for a little while now, uh, and, and, and like it like it a lot because it feels it feels true. You know, like one of the things we say to to our clients is that we don't do something to you; we do something with you. Mm. It, it's not just about the transformational experience. It's about the relationship along the way. And, um, yeah, I'm grateful. Yeah. Well, and I mean, you referenced it, but it sounds so much like you're doing for leaders in, in, in the business world, what we're trying to do in the wilderness of the middle school years, uh, similar work in different contexts. But I, I want to go back to something you said, because, um, you just described when I met you, uh, you were a leader who was in a place of transition mm -hmm. on the threshold of something you'd never experienced before, but you were brave and you were curious and you were willing to look under the hood. Wow. Do you recall that, that season? I mean, yeah. when you said it, it was like that, that was you when I met you about seven years ago. Mm -hmm. Can you talk a little bit about what was yeah. really uh, kind of pivotal in, in changing your family story? Yeah, man. Well, Andy, thank you for holding up that mirror. Um, I'm smiling as I listen to you say that because that had never crossed my mind <laughs> until you just said it. Um, yeah, so, you know, I was really on the anvil, not to be too on the nose about it, but I was really on the anvil. Um, as I mentioned earlier, we have lived in this part of Georgia since 2006, for the most part, that's what I said. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of 2013, I resigned from North Point and had been recruited uh, to come join the staff of a church in Chicago to be their executive pastor. And uh, we anticipated that that was going to be something that was going to be for our next 10, 15, 20, 25 years. Uh, it was a big swing for us, like for me and Shannon and our family. Um, it was, it was a big swing to say, let's go do this. And uh, so we moved up there and, you know, the transition was hard. Um, but to kind of jump to the end of a really long story, a very detailed story, um, we, had a, we had a very, very painful experience up there. Um, it, was a, it, was, it was a really crushing experience in terms of um, what we experienced from the folks that we had gone to work with. And it was, it was really, I would say it was the death of a dream. Hmm. Um, and so we were only there for four months. And I remember we left Chicago in May of 2014. Is that right? Yeah. 2014. We had no idea where we were going to go. No idea what we were going to do. Um, my wife was pregnant with our fourth and I had three little kids at the time. And um, I really felt lost, man. I really felt lost. Mm. It's interesting because I, sometimes I'll talk with um, folks who are interested in starting their own business and they're like, Hey, how do you do it? How did that work? And I was like, I got to be honest with you. I, read, I I got to all the way to the last page of my playbook and had no more pages. Mm. And, uh, and there's a line from a Rich Mullins song where he says, I was lost enough to let myself be led. Mm. And um, pretty incredible, honestly, to be, uh, at the end of myself and then to find the Lord lead me in this direction. So I don't know if I'm far afield of the question that you asked, no. or if, I'm, if I'm speaking, you're asking. 
you know, it's, it's speaking to it, uh, really specifically because the thing that, that I sensed, and so that was end of 2014 for you, we had moved here and, and, uh, you had come back into church world, but just as a guy who's bringing his family to church. And we met you through a, a small little church plant called the parish. Um, yeah. and we got connected through what was called table groups at the time. And, and our, our friend Eddie, pastor Eddie, uh, had this idea that, that we weren't going to do small groups. This wasn't going to be a small group. And I remember him saying like, we will not do small groups. Uh, we had we had table groups, and I still don't know what the distinction was. But what 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 it was was freedom to yeah. have long conversation um, with no agenda around a meal. And ultimately, what always ended up happening were the things of God that you have been contemplating and that others have been contemplating rose to the surface. And and what yeah. began as talking about you know the Falcons or the Braves or business whatever always began to integrate into these deep, deep things of God. And so when I met you, I never knew you as a pastor. Um, but hmm. the way that I've always experienced you is, is very pastoral. And so I, I remember being in table groups and I remember sitting across from you and I wonder what the meal even was. I don't know what the meal was, but we were at our house. And I remember mm -hmm. there was an incredibly pastoral and challenging and encouraging conversation uh, where you were in the tail end of a death of a dream, you were planting seeds for the birth of a dream, um, mm. not just in me, but in our families. And I wonder what, what do you recall of that conversation when we first talked about Anvil Academy? Uh, man. So what, what I, I mean, the first things that they come up for me are being at your house and just what you described about table group, uh, you know, having, having spent so much of my recent years involved in small groups, it, it probably was comforting to me when Eddie was like, we're not doing small groups. I was like, cool, man, I could kind of use a break. Um, and what happened was like you were saying is that this real relationship, this genuine relationship, there was space for the real relationship to unfold. And so I remember, I remember hanging out at your house and like, there would be like we were there and you guys were there and, and there were different couples that would come in and drop out. Like there was a bit of ebb and flow in that regard. Um, but I think there was a, a decent level of, of consistency between our families. Yeah. And you, like you're saying, like outside having conversation, getting to know one another. Um, and then that particular night that you're talking about, dude, I can see it. I can see it in my mind's eye. Uh, that we were sitting at the at the dining table in your great room. And I can even see where I was sitting at the table and where you were sitting at the table. Mm -hmm. And this was still pretty early in our relationship. In our, and, and when I say our, I mean me and you and our families. And so there was still a, um, some getting to know one another, uh, like kind of on the introductory level. And uh, I think we were talking, I mean, I, I remember you we're talking about the work that you'd been doing as a principal of a, of a private school in the Atlanta area. And you're talking about that as, you know, sort of like the normative, you know, dinner conversation kind of stuff when you're getting to know somebody. And I can still picture the look on your face when you kind of paused and you're like, but I'm actually dreaming about something different. <laughs> and I can see the look on your face and in, in, in my mind's eye. 
and you started to describe a active learning environment for middle school boys and you were talking about getting their hearts engaged and uh, not not trying to stuff middle school boys into a corner but leverage the fact that they were energetic and curious and that there was all this explosion happening inside of them developmentally like let's not despise that like let's lean into it and I remember hearing you talk about it. I was like, that's really cool. Like, that's really cool. And, and honestly, Andy, as you were talking about it, I was like, hey, that's a neat idea. But you, like, you, you clicked into another gear and you're like, and it will be called the Anvil Academy. And then you went like another step. Like, as I, I remember we were asking questions and you said, and here is the website. And you open up the computer and you show me this website and this logo, I, I get chills remembering the chills that I had when I saw it. Mm. And I could see it. I could see it from the first time that you started talking about it. And I remember Shannon and I were sitting next to each other and we're like, like nudging each other under the table because at that point in time, our oldest Josh was in fourth grade. And and so if I, if I go back a little bit, you know, we gone to Chicago and it was the death of a dream. And at the same time we held this, it was like a really deep down sense that we hadn't necessarily made a mistake by going to Chicago. Uh, one of the things we really learned in that season was that the will of God and suffering are not mutually exclusive. Mm. And that in his mm. great love for us, he will sometimes lead us through unimaginably difficult situations because he is working to set us free and to bring us even greater life. Um, and so it was like, okay, Lord, you didn't do, that was not an accident, but man, it hurt like crazy. Mm. So what are your purposes? In this? Why did you do this? What is it that you're shaping in us? And I say that to say this, as you're describing anvil academy shannon and i are punching each other under the table uh and i'm doing the quick calculation at that table that man maybe two falls from now josh could go to anvil i mean it wasn't a thing hmm. beyond a dream in your head and a website and a logo but in that moment and i i feel i feel tears coming up thinking about this it was like it was like god if the only reason you had us move to Chicago and then have that, that experience fall apart was so that we could come back and learn about this opportunity that we might be able to give to our son, I think that alone would be worth it. Hmm. And that was really important, Andy, for a lot of reasons. Uh, but at that point, like today, I see so many so much beautiful fruit that God has brought forth in our lives from that really difficult experience that we had. But I hadn't seen much of any fruit at that point. Mm. And so to see something that I would say, now that's beautiful. Um, that was, that was really, really meaningful. Yeah. But I remember for me and Shannon, I could tell, you know, like we, she and I've been at, at that point, let's see, I guess we'd been married, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. So we knew each other well enough. Right. 
So you're describing this and I, we're, we're having this, like, I can feel the energy. And I remember <laughs> saying, I don't know if it was that night. I, you, you may tell me it was a different night. I don't know. But I think it was that night that we said to you, well, you've got your first student. Yeah. Whenever you start this, we're in. Was that yeah. that night? I No, it was, I think it was the next, it was the next Sunday. It, okay. It, it, all right. As far it, as I remember it, because here, here's the thing. I, I remember you and Shannon being intrigued and curious and energized by that. Of course, I knew nothing of what was going on internally, uh, you know, with, with your backstory, but, um, up to this point, it, it was kind of a silent curation of, of vision. Of course, Katie and I have been talking about it a lot and, and it was my, uh, keep me up at night where it was like, all right, what do I do with this? I don't know what to do. So I'm just going to create the logo. I'm just going to build the website. And, and that was just a conduit to, uh, direct this restless energy of, um, this thing is, is being unearthed. Right. And so, um, you know, Katie was, was supportive of it as, as she's been from the very beginning. I remember my dad had, uh, given us a loan to start doing some renovation in the barn. And so he was, and, uh, and he's been on the podcast. Um, he talked a little bit about, um, you know, my visioning and ideas and kind of some of the wild ideas that I've had in some ways, he was kind of like, this is a little bit of a wild idea, but we'll see if it sticks. Um, but I remember always being a little self-conscious about sharing this because I had shared a lot of things in the past with different people and they never kind of came to fruition. And, and, um, but, I, and, and Katie also was somewhat self-conscious of me, like just being the dreamer and, and always kind of talking. And I remember like, I didn't want to talk about it, but I wanted to connect with you at church the next Sunday. And I remember you like sought me out. Like I walked in the door and we had like the worship time. Um, but like, I remember you making a beeline for me and like saying, like, let's pick up this conversation where we left off. And I think it was, it was a couple of days later that you said, you know, Shannon and I, it, this has resonated with us and, and just no, so you know, like you have student number one when you decide to launch this. And that for me yeah. was uh, so much more impactful than any dollar amount that someone has given. Of course, we're so thankful for mm -hmm. folks' generosity, but the first person to say like, I am putting my son's skin in the game for this. Uh, I remember yeah. thinking like, is, is this, is this hyperbole? Is this real? Is it true? Is it what? And, and you reiterated again and again, like, I believe in you. And like you had said, we didn't know each other all that well, but you said, I believe in you because I believe in the vision that the Lord has put inside of you. And it wasn't a based upon gifting or, or calling or skill set. It was, I believe in the vision the Lord has given you. And I, I want to walk this out with you. And so, um, in so many well, I'm ways, gonna, I'm going to correct, I'm going to correct you just a little bit, just a little bit. Okay. Um, and I know you and love you and I know you pretty well. And I know this is probably going to make you feel a little squirmy, but that's okay. It really is at least two factors. Um, it really is at least two factors that I know I, I know I can speak for my wife that, that um, have us believe so much in what's happening at Anvil. The first is you. And the second is the vision and that there's an integrity and a congruence 
between who you are and the vision that you shared that you still share, but especially the vision that you shared over dinner that night. It was like, I can feel, I know enough of who this guy is and I can see the integrity. And when I say integrity, what I mean is um, like the integration of this idea is coming forth from who this vision is coming forth from who he is and who God has made him to be. And so it's not just an idea. It's a life and an idea that are all tangled up together. Um, and one of the things I feel really fortunate about in the work that I get to do is that very often those are the conversations that I find myself in with leaders. And so uh, I've, I've, I guess I've kind of cultivated this, this sense for when there is that integration versus somebody putting on something like, maybe this is a good idea. I don't know. Um, so it's, it's kind of those two things together. And I know that Anvil is so much more, so much bigger than just you and just an idea. But when it's, when it's a germ, when it's a seed of an idea, that's really where it starts. Um, and so, you know, it was like, I don't know what all this is going to look like. But if my son has a chance to spend the day with you, I'm for that. And well, it that, has, it's, it's been, it's been, the, the return has been that and so much more. Well, on, on both sides in, in so many ways, but here, here is in my mind, I remember the thing that moved me from dreaming to action was the fact that you said you have your first student and you then said, uh, can I help you? And it wasn't too long after that where you used all the gifting that you have and all the work that you're doing now vocationally. I think you were in the beginning stages of starting to, to build this company or build this, this, this coaching yeah. team. Um, but but you invited me over to your old house, not the one you're in now, your old house. And it, was your office upstairs? Did we go upstairs to your office? At, you know, it, it, when we first moved into that house, yeah, it was upstairs and I ended yeah. up moving downstairs. But yeah, that's what it was. Yep. It was upstairs. And I remember like you, I just remember you brewing a pot of coffee in the kitchen and we carried that coffee upstairs. And I knew that you meant business because you had this thermal coffee thing that, that was like filled to the brim and like. It was like, we are going to battle and we go upstairs and I got to experience my first John Ott whiteboard strategy session. Um, hmm. And I think we said like, we're not going to leave this room until we've nailed, nailed down some, some specifics about this thing. And hmm. you took, took me and took us through this, uh, this journey of trying to take everything that was, that was, as you kind of said about middle school boys exploding inside from a, a development and visioning side. And uh, it was up on a whiteboard that mm. kind of folded out. I remember it folded out and you just filled this with um, a skeleton of a dream that was trapped inside that you brought to life in a very visual way. Mm. And I remember we walked out of that room uh, having nailed down that the Anvil Academy exists for the sake of forging men. And, and, when we got to that level of clarity and I remember you kept like, we tried a bunch of things. You're like, Nope, it's gotta be simpler. Nope. That's not it yet. That's not it. And we kind of kept yeah. going. And I was concerned that it was too simple. And you're like, 
nope, this is it. And mm-hmm. we, we got it to that place that this exists for forging men. Um, and in my mind, that was one of the, the, the foundational pillars that this whole thing was built on was, was <laughs> that, that first session. Oh man, what a great memory. What a great memory. You know, Andy, I, I, uh, I don't understand the mystery of all this. And, you know, another memory that comes up for me is, is you're, you know, you're, you're sharing this vision for the first time. And then you're like, and, and then there's this barn up on the hill. I'd never been to the barn before. Mm. And I remember walking into that barn for the first time and tearing up because what was happening inside of me is, this is what God does. He gives a vision and then he gives the resources for the fulfillment of the vision. And like to, to think like of all the properties in Forsyth County, the, the property that he led you guys to had these raw materials to work with, to be the, the phase one of a really, really big idea. So I remember walking in there when it was just a shell of a of a of a building and being like, "Holy cow! It's I can see it. It's going to happen here." And I think that's part of the mystery to me is like, there has never been a doubt in my mind from the very first time you started talking about Anvil that it was going to be a thing. And I don't understand that. Yeah, but it's really it has been it is it has been and continues to be one of the joys of my life to have had a front row seat. To what God is doing through Anvil, yeah, and and I would I would say it wasn't a front row seat. It still is not a front row seat. It it was uh, it was a you were a player in the game. <laughs> I mean, your number was called, mm-hmm. and and you stepped in, and I mean, you've never received a paycheck from Anvil, <laughs> uh, and you've mm-hmm. never vocationally worked for Anvil, but you have done the work. Uh, organizationally at Anvil, and you you have been on the court or on the field you know, since our very first very first game, and and mm-hmm. uh, serving um, as our our first board member. I mean, it was it was you and my dad. Um, John Hunley joined on, and, and then Dan Dan joined yeah, on, man. and um, but you yeah. served as, as our first board president, and and we're gonna um, kind of tie up conversation around this idea, and I just wonder sure. um, as as we, the business and organization of it, I remember you shared with me a document um, as we were constructing the board, and and it was, it was almost like a treaty, like a treatise on what a board should be and shouldn't be, and what a healthy board was and wasn't. And I think you'd experienced a lot of health and unhealth. Um, yeah. But what was so important for you as we began this organizationally to to build mm. this upon? Hmm. Man, yeah. Uh, as you alluded to, uh, for better and for worse, in my in my experience, um, in my life, I've experienced really, really healthy organizations and really, really unhealthy organizations. Uh, I've I've witnessed and been a part of organizations that I would say either began or were in a season of real flourishing from a from a health standpoint, like it was, yes, there was some measurable numerical types of increases, but there was the essence of a healthy, vibrant organization. And, and then I've watched organizations like that 
and been parts of organizations that began to decay and and so have a really deep sense of how important organizational design is and one of the most important places for that is when you've got something that is either faith-based or faith-centric uh, because i've seen a lot of uh i've seen a lot of poor unhealthy organizations run in the name of jesus mm. and god accomplishes things he accomplishes things through our best efforts and in spite of the worst parts of us but that's not an excuse you know that's not an excuse to just mail it in and so i could see the nascent precious thing that is the anvil that is is and was growing and and i knew from experience how if the board isn't charged isn't commissioned in a really intentional way, uh, there can be a de-evolution of health that a mm -hmm. board can misunderstand, even if it's well-intended, can misunderstand its role and squelch or crush the essence of what this living thing is. And I love so much what God is doing through Anvil and could see the special um, movement that it is it's like, man, we've got to really be sure that we know why the board exists and what the functions are of the people on this board and what the functions aren't. Mm -hmm. Because if we can partner with God and come alongside Andy and set up some of the parameters for the long term, there's just no telling what God might choose to do um, with this little idea. Well, I'll, I'll say we continue to reap the benefits seven years in. We're still a young organization, but seven years in uh, daily yeah. and, and certainly through each season of the school year, um, we experience the benefits of how, how things began. Origin stories matter. That's why we're doing this series on origin stories, because the way things start matter. And so often you and I have, have said like, Make sure we write this down because we don't want to forget this because this was a way <laughs> when there was no way that the Lord made a way. And that that's just right. continues to be the story. And he uses his people. He uses his resources, all of it to bring about his purposes. And so, um, man, John, I love you. We could go on for hours and we, we will, but, but off, off the air. Uh, and this is, yeah, man. this is the first of what I'm sure will become uh, a re recurring series um, because we didn't even get into the great stories about your boys being here and about your experiences oh, here. Man. So there's so much more to talk about, but uh, we wanted to start here at the beginning. What, what, can, I, can I say one last thing before we wrap yeah, up? Please. Um, you know, I, I never knew, I never knew when we first had kids that the education conversation would be as involved as it has turned out <laughs> to be. And I'm really grateful to my wife for that. Like she has had such vision and purpose and intentionality around how we would educate our kids. And as they're now in high school and we have one getting ready to go to college, that first Anvil student is about to go to college. Mm. Um, I'm seeing the fruits of her intentionality. And so, you know, as we would evaluate lots of different schools and different education opportunities, 
you know, we were trying to develop sort of our rubric of evaluation. And, um, and one of the, one of the litmus test questions that we would ask ourselves over, and we continue to ask this is, are we excited about this educational opportunity for our child? And that for us, that kind of cuts through a whole lot to say, are we excited about it? And man, one of the things I can tell you from the bottom of my feet is when we have thought about Anvil Academy, that answer has always been a resounding yes. Mm. And we've got one more boy coming up. He's in third grade right now. And we are so excited for him to move into sixth grade and have the Anvil experience. Mm. So man, thank you. Thank you for being a faithful steward of what God has entrusted to you and uh, for the life change that our family and our sons um, have experienced as a result. Uh, we're so grateful. Thank you, John. And we can't wait to have him come up. And, and uh, for those that you know, John's family and my family, our, our boys are the same age, kind of traveling that journey together. So the two of them, they're just going to, they're going to run wild here by the time they actually get up here to, to, to sixth grade. And I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, they will. <laughs> All right. Well, John, thank you for sharing your story. Thank you for sharing your wisdom uh, and I look forward to having you back on. But um, until then, thanks for joining us with Life on the Anvil. Take care. Bye. Thank you.